Well, the haters gonna hate, 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 and the fakers gonna fake, 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 baby. I'm just gonna make, 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 making luck, making luck. A podcast. Yeah, he seems into that. Yeah, he's uh, he likes to eat, just like his parents. Nice. Eating is actually good for you, so I'm pretty yeah. jazzed that he enjoys it. Yeah, I try to do it whenever I can. Um, yeah, and drink water. Yeah, most people don't drink enough water. That's that's a fact. If you're driving right now, first, make sure your seatbelt's buckled. But second, do you have a bottle of water in the car with you? Yeah, or if you're not driving, too, this is also good advice. Yeah, like, if you do, take a drink. And yeah. take a good drink. Don't take one of those wimpy little sips. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you don't, maybe you should, like, have one of those with you. I think it's a good idea. I used to use this app called Plant Nanny that gave you this little <laughs> anthropomorphic, um, like anime plant thing cool and uh you were supposed to tell it whenever you drank water it was like a little water diary oh okay and you did that by watering your plant and if you didn't uh if you didn't drink enough water the plant actually died on you wow Uh, yeah though they didn't pull any punches you got it you had to get a completely different plant did the grim reaper come and like no there was just a dead plant oh okay that's Um, that's really sad actually yeah actually (laughs) you could pay money to revive your plant it was a free app, but you could give them money to get the wow. back if you killed it. That's... It was really weird. Ingenious, actually. Yeah, no, I definitely started drinking enough water, um, but... Are you sure you did? Because most people don't. No, but if you uh, download Plant Nanny, maybe you will. Um, I stopped using it and stopped drinking enough water. Link in the description. <laughs> uh, possibly, partially also because I, I don't have any empathy for fictional characters anymore, but... Um, <laughs> or real ones. Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah, I was going to... Uh, <laughs> So, and, and we'll also link to uh, Dasani in the description because that is the superior water. If you're drinking water, you should probably be drinking Dasani. Yeah, have we gotten a sponsorship yet? I feel no, like we've plugged a lot of products on here. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I feel like this is just an opportunity waiting to happen yeah, for totally. all these wonderful companies like Dasani, the choice of a new generation. Sure. Welcome to Making <laughs> Luck Hydration Podcast. Yeah, also Dominion. And uh, <laughs> so. Uh, last time uh, we did an episode on both Temple and Raider, so yeah. we're going to start out by talking a little bit about that kingdom, and then we're going to launch into our episode this time, which is about Mega Turns. But before we get to that, I understand Adam is going to have a little bit of an announcement. Oh yeah! So um, in case you've been living under a rock, or you just you know haven't you know been listening to me, which is probably for the best. Uh, anyway... It's a different kind of rock to yeah. live under. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, in five days from the day we're recording this, on Saturday, January 12th, 2019, uh, I will be hosting my 10th Dominion Tournament with physical cards! Uh, yeah. It's in Mason, Ohio, which is near Cincinnati. It starts at 1pm. Uh, there's going to be information in the description about this, or you can go to adamhorton.com. I'll have an announcement about the tournament with all the details, what you need. You don't have to RSVP in order to come, although I am going to have sandwiches for everyone who shows up and plays in the tournament. So if you let me know you're coming, it helps me know how many sandwiches to buy. It's a $5 entry fee. $4 of that goes into the prize pool, which is cash this time. That's a change from last time. Oh, they got they agreed to that? That's awesome. Uh, I told them to agree to it because everyone was wanting it because they... Don't bother to stock Dominion for their Dominion tournaments. 
That's too bad. Like, the shelves are still empty from three tournaments ago when I emptied the shelves. But anyway, they're right. a great venue because they have a million tables and they let me do whatever I want. So I'm super happy with it, and yeah, right. you should go. So if you aren't planning on going, um, plan on going and then go because, it, I, it, you know, I put a lot of work into it and people have a good time, and I think you'll have a good time if you go. Yeah, people travel from pretty long ways away to come to your Dominion tournaments uh, for good reason, too. I mean, I'm obviously close enough that I'm going to be able to come to it, but uh, a lot of people travel quite a bit further and uh, are pretty satisfied with their experience. I think you should come. This is how, really, I kind of got into Dominion or uh, Adam's tournaments, and it's just a really fun event to yeah. attend and play some quality some... Dominion with some great kingdoms. Oh, yeah. I, uh, I've got some people coming in from Chicago area. Got some people coming in from eastern Pennsylvania. That one's an eight-hour drive. Yeah. Right. Hashtag no bigs. Uh, so, I mean, uh, you should you should totally go, and uh, I think you'd have a good time. Yeah. Anyway, uh, oh, and, and then one final thing. Uh, behind you, Jake, on the couch, if you could show the webcam. Yes. The winner of the tournament gets the opportunity to play me in a trophy match for this illustrious scout trophy that A. Hoppy made. Shoutouts. It could be your name on that trophy if you win the tournament, but then, if you win the trophy match, you get to hang on to that trophy for um, about six months until the next tournament. Um, I am currently 3-1 and one in trophy matches, so uh, you get your chance to knock me off my high horse. <clears throat> yeah, right? I'm sure everyone is looking forward to that. And, uh, yeah, you I get take to it pick, every chance I get. But, yeah, you uh, get to pick <laughs> whatever kingdom you want, and you can go first if you wish to do so. Um, and we basically get to play by whatever <laughs> rules you want, and uh, see if you can beat me. Good luck with that. Can they stack it into a multiplayer game if they want to? Can they mandate that this is a four-player game of Dominion? I got I three friends. I don't think so. Oh, okay. I didn't. I haven't thought about that. Nobody's that would be difficult because nobody wants to play multiplayer. <coughs> Sorry. Um, I mean, I'm not going to disagree with that. Um, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, uh, do you want to talk about this kingdom that we did last time? Yeah. So uh, just a reminder again: last episode was on Temple Raider. We didn't feel the need to uh, only choose one of them just because we didn't. Feel like they had much to do with each other. Uh, so this kingdom uh, had courtyard, experiment, fortune teller, duplicate, marauder, necromancer, temple, festival, hireling, raider, and it had the project fair. Once more for our audio-only listeners, we had courtyard, experiment, fortune teller, duplicate, marauder. Necromancer, Temple, Festival, Hireling, and Raider. And we had the Project Fair. So I think what this kingdom was really missing was castles. That way you could have Festival, Temple, and Castles all in the same kingdom. Yeah. And if you watch the videos that uh, come uh, with games from this kingdom, you'll, you maybe will notice the uh, shout-out I gave to the Festival, Temple, Castle theme music from the Super Nintendo game Legend of Mystical Ninja starring Goemon, which is one of my favorite video game themes ever. And that would have been OP on this board. I didn't get the reference then, and I still don't get it, but maybe you do. Uh, <laughs> leave in the comments. But, so, about the kingdom, I don't think... Oh, yeah, the kingdom. Yeah, right. I mean, I think that... Oh, for the most part, we were both mostly right, but I think we were both wrong about, like, a sliver of it, right? Yeah. Like, I think that, um... I was. I think I may have said that you could get away with skipping hireling, 
uh, because there was other draw that was fast enough, and I thought Hireling was going to be too slow, and uh, I was wrong about that. And I believe that you said that uh, Marauder's attack was going to be harmful, right? And ha- that didn't really pan out the way that we expected. So, um, let me be a little more specific. Sure. Marauder's attack, I think, matters when the opponent is playing big money, uh, which is terrible here, but the bot does it. Hey! And uh, before I knew what I was doing, and before I was getting Marauder in that matchup, I actually did lose a game against a bot. So Marauder is important there, but that's not what I was saying. What I was saying sure. is that I think Marauder is good even in a deck that tries to thin with Temple. And uh, I tried real hard to make that work, and I'm now convinced that that's not good. I don't think Marauder's worth it. I think um, if Duplicate wasn't here, it might have a chance, but Duplicate is so good, and you definitely want that on your second four after you open with a Temple. So I agree with that. I think that, except that even if Duplicate wasn't here, I might tend away from Marauder, just because that junking doesn't really end up mattering much. You end up getting the trash... draws. Yeah, I mean, you end up... Right, so if you... You might do it tactically if your opponent falls behind on thinning, sure. But... Or if you can... If you, like, manage to hit for it early enough... I advocated for a Temple Experiment opening, which I still think is pretty good, yeah. but sometimes you don't hit far with that. And if you don't hit far with that, it's going to be too late for the Marauder. Sure. Yeah. That makes sense. But but if you if you have the right situation where it's early enough you get that Marauder before your opponent has gotten thin enough where that doesn't really matter, mm-hmm. then uh, there could be a place for a Marauder, except you want Duplicate more, because it's way, way better. Right. So the things that you end up doing here are, like Adam said, opening Temple Experiment. If you get a 5-2, you're just really sad, and you open uh, probably Temple Courtyard. Temple Courtyard. Oh. Um, you could make an argument for Temple Nothing, but I think the Courtyard's a card you want in the deck enough anyway that you take it. Yeah, it's fine. I think it's better than not getting the Courtyard. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm with that. Like, Courtyard's pretty good here. So... Uh, You grab the temple and the experiments. Deciding whether or not to play your experiments was actually kind of interesting when you draw them in the second shuffle. It's really easy to shoot yourself in the foot by um, playing your experiments whenever you see them. So I think it's kind of interesting. Yeah. Uh, If you have an experiment in your temple hand and you already have an estate to trash, because you're always going to have a copper, basically, (laughs) Uh, usually don't play it because it's nice to keep around. Yeah. Hang on to the experiment, and the reason for that is that drawing the experiments later, after you've thinned those estates, is helping you hit 5 and 6. And those are the price points you really want to be hitting. Like, obviously the duplicate's nice to have before then, but you don't always have it um, at that time. So, like, yeah, hitting, hitting 5, five six, first is so really good, because, like, yeah. you're going to be shoving a lot of terminals in the deck, and you're going to want a festival so you can play some of them terminals. Right. So, yeah. like, ideally you've got to duplicate as well, but, um, so that you can be duplicating your fives and sixes when you do start getting them, but, yeah. you know, uh, you probably realistically need to get a festival first for terminal space. Uh, yeah, in a lot of cases, I find myself wanting the festival, even if I randomly spike to six. Yeah, um, which I, I did. still sometimes yeah. take the festival over my first hireling, just because I'm so desperate for that terminal space, and I don't want to shove another terminal in the deck, you know? Yeah, for me it was fifty fifty. Like I feel 50, like 50. I felt like I, I spiked six quite often uh, before yeah, I had do that. right before I had a festival. And what it came down to for me was how thin I was. So like if I was pretty thin mm. to the point that I knew I was going to draw those two terminals together, I went ahead and just grabbed the festival because I could play it. Uh, but if I was not so thin at the time I spiked six, I went ahead and took the hireling just. 
you know, because it wasn't guaranteed to line up with another terminal, and it's a card I want more anyway, so I don't know. I'm not convinced that was best, but it is what I did, so Mm -hmm. it's... I mean, in the end, that that doesn't matter quite so much, because the DNA of the decks we're talking about is still to be getting lots of uh, festivals and hirelings and duplicates and eventually golds, and you're just kind of building up in ways that are pretty unsurprising to... It's this point where you're drawing a bunch and playing a bunch of festivals and a bunch of golds, and you're double provincing, single provincing. Um, plays out like a pretty standard game of Dominion. Yeah, just like all the other ones in yeah. every single way. Uh, a couple of things. First of all, the boy needs to burp, and so he's going to be upset that he's not eating while he burps, which is very important. Uh, Wandering Winder had advocated for a Temple Silver opening, uh, yeah. and I think that's not crazy. After no. playing it a lot, I prefer Temple Experiment, but it's pretty easy to get screwed with either draw, and uh, I don't think the, the silver is that bad. So Temple Silver, like uh, Adam and Wandering Winter advocated and said, that's not crazy. You do want to get the silver in the deck uh, ASAP. The experiments are really good to have because of your priority of lining up Temple with Copper Estate. Like, that's really the main driver as to why you get the experiment over the silver in the opening, but having the silver in the opening is helping you hit five to get that festival sooner, and then from there you get your duplicates and your hirelings, etc., etc., and you can always thin later. There's no drive to get thin really fast. Um, you do, you will get thin eventually. So, yeah, at any, at every phase of the game, taking experiment instead of silver was an interesting decision because there was always a point where you like you felt like you wanted the silver in the deck but the experiments were helping you more with your immediate goals uh i think i think i lean a little bit farther away from silver than you do but i mean silver's not crazy in a lot of situations if you can just get festivals instead obviously you're going to be a lot better off but Uh, sure uh, sometimes you don't have five and you need money and so uh silver's there for you man yeah, right, and I mean, usually when we're talking about taking silver, we're talking about near the beginning, when you're having trouble getting cards like Festival and Hireling, mm, just, yeah. to, just to get started. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, the temple points were int- Oh, by the way, Raider was garbage, don't get it here. Raider's um, good against big money, because it says attack on it, but otherwise it's garbage. Yeah, yeah so the yeah, temple so, points. Uh, yeah. yeah, the temple points, <laughs> um, I think I said you pretty much ignore them completely here, and the temple, like usual, is just about the thinning, and I think that that was true for the most part. Uh, but that, Except for when you don't ignore the temple points. Right. It's it's interesting, <laughs> and I'm going to say something really unhelpful here. Uh, it was true until it wasn't anymore. Yeah. Like, the temple points were certainly something you could ignore for the most part, but if, when your opponent has, like, eight of them, you know, that if their deck is significantly worse, that might not be a huge deal if they got, like, eight temple points on you. Because, so, you know, they can afford to lose a province on you, so... It was interesting. I mean, the temple points for the most part weren't a huge consideration, but if there were five on the pile, yeah, you at five least or more. Yeah, five or more. I started to think seriously about it. Like, it would be really difficult for me to, um, like, pick it up over a festival that I needed or a hireling that I could duplicate or something like that. Yeah. Unless there were significantly more points on the pile, but you know, then they would be gone. But uh, if I had four or maybe five and I wasn't desperate for terminal space like yeah give me some of them delicious temple points it's really nice to have those um vp tokens in the mid game because every once in a while if the piles get low enough you can put yourself into a situation where 
you threaten to win the game on your next turn if your opponent doesn't green. Maybe they didn't want to do that. Well, that's possible. I think more often is the case with the temple points on this board is that the temple points matter in intervals of, of six or possibly three if you're talking about like duchy scoring just because like the, the game is intervals of 55 yeah yeah right i mean what helps the temple in the mid game to end game like you're saying is that necromancer is here and so picking up a necromancer means that you can zombie apprentice your extra temples to, or for some extra reliability or do the smart thing or do the cool trick which is well, you can top deck your temple with, with courtyard. courtyard and play zombie mason and you can gain a fiver and you can get festival. Like, a duchy yeah. if it's late enough, or maybe you can get a festival, or you can like gain something else. I guess, like I mean, if you're running piles, you can gain up to a zombie mason, which is pretty decent. Yeah, which is pretty decent. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty decent. Sure. Yeah. Yep. So uh, hirelings, I think usually we're gonna pile. Maybe there was one. Mm, left they were gonna get low for sure. I mean, yeah, I want usually, like three or four of them, and maybe sometimes more. I don't know. I usually had five out by the end of the game. Fifty-five. But yeah. I may have overbuilt a little bit in this. Uh, I mean, so. it, it depends on a lot. Yeah. So anyway, uh, yeah. Which I guess enough about that kingdom. Uh, you can watch the games play out. They were a pretty par for the f- course game in Dominion. I'd there were say. there were some pretty interesting end game situations in those games of Dominion. Yeah. And speaking of end games. Yeah. So I said this is going to be about mega turns, but uh, this is kind of a, a continuation of the previous video we did, which was on end game play. If you remember when we started that. Those were good times, weren't they, Parker? Yeah. <laughs> if you remember, when we did that episode, we started out by saying endgame ga- play is really complex and nuanced, and we could do multiple videos and not cover all of it, so we're probably going to do another video that covers something else. And There that's... are at least two more of them coming yeah. that, that have been unpublished minisodes on endgame play, and this yeah. isn't the last one we're going to do. Right, but this is an episode on endgame play that is going to be focused around uh, what the term you're going to hear thrown around mega turns yeah so um i i think the we're gonna be focused on when you build much more to the point of a mega turn but like what does mega turn really mean it's really interesting if you ask me the question what is a mega turn i'm gonna ignore it and move on because it's difficult to answer <laughs> it's, it's totally subjective and fuzzy and like what's a lot easier to do is talk about what a mega turn isn't and then frame it from there i think sure yeah. Proof by contradiction or negative definite. Go ahead. Sure. So, in Dominion Endgame, there are basically these two kinds of scoring. These two kinds of scoring phases. Uh, the extreme end of one is like a mega turn, uh, and we're going to come back to that. But let's talk about the other kind, which is this tug of war scoring, I call it. There's no good name for it, but you and your opponent are both just kind of. Gra- <laughs> uh, the so like things that aren't a mega turn, you see these games of Dominion where you and your opponent kind of go back and forth scoring points. Like I get a province and then you get a province and then I get a province and you get one or whatever we're doing to score. And then eventually the game is over because somebody got the last province or one of you died or three supply piles ran out. <laughs> Something like that happened. 
But the important thing here is that we're talking about this prolonged phase of scoring that takes place over multiple turns. Uh, that has some pretty important characteristics. It means that you are going to have VP cards in your deck, probably, and which means that you're going to draw them. Yeah, you're going to draw those VP cards. That's the big thing. So the concept of your payload is important, but also the concept of your deck's viability, while it has points in it, is important. You'll hear this turn choking on green cards. Yeah. Uh, and if you're deck is doing that, or if you have hedges against it, that becomes important in this quote-unquote tug-of-war scoring. Uh, Similarly, uh, by the same token, we see points that don't make your deck worse, uh, things like VP chips, things like distant lands, things like orchard, uh, stuff like that. Those, as sources of points, become more valuable. They do, but uh, I also think that, like, I mean, those aren't mega turn cards, right? I mean, I don't think of the best turn in Dominion that I ever had as being, I played eight distant lands and then they were on my tavern mat. (laughs) Right, that's not the best single turn, for sure. That puts you in a great position, sure. But, I mean, that kind of stuff does get better in the same types of situations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right. We're talking about this prolonged scoring that uh, the, the phase of you and your opponent both directly making progress toward winning is taking course over multiple turns. And, the, and that's not a mega turn. Yeah. Right. The extreme end of this, the absolute extreme end, is the canonical like vanilla money single game game where Ooh. you're just getting provinces and maybe you do some duchy dancing in the middle Woo! when there are only duchy two provinces dancing. left. All okay. Right. So we've talked about what the mega turn isn't. Uh, now let's talk about the extreme end of what a mega turn is uh, and that's where you have this one turn where you get all your points or you do you uh, have done no greening nothing to make your deck worse or compromise it in any way and all of a sudden you have one turn that just ends the game and does all your scoring for you in one fell swoop and that's like a full mega turn or a true mega turn and that's the other extreme end of what we'd be talking about hashtag true mega turn right yeah so um, if I'm gonna like try and quantify this, which I don't want to focus too much on, but like if we're looking at less than four provinces a turn, I don't think that's really what we're trying to focus on here. Like, sure, uh, you can you can do a calculation where it's like, oh, I can make one province now, but can I build to two, or I can make two, or can I build to three? Like, you can do a calculation on that, and I'll give you the five second version. Figure out how long it takes to build to that thing. And then see where you are versus if you started greening now in terms of how many turns away you think you the game might last and then figure out which one puts you better off. I, I mean, there's there's actually a mini-sode that addresses sure. this topic that hasn't been published yet, so I don't want to step on it, but I'll refer you to the future mini-sode of this podcast that addresses that topic in a lot of detail. Wandering Winder did a good job. I listened to it uh, today for the first time, actually. So um, if you want to hear that, uh, you know, let us know, and we can like prioritize that, uh, and we can you know publish that as the next mini. So we do obviously leave a comment, comment section, adamhorton.com, etc. Uh, but that's uh, that's sort of away from what we're talking about. Like we're looking at yeah. four provinces minimum in terms of in terms of points, or maybe some similar type of effect that has you know that, that bypasses this tug of war that Jake was talking about. And conceptually, I think it's important to understand which kind of scoring you're looking mm. at 
um, in your particular game because we talked about the characteristics of a tug-of-war game, but there are some other ones of a mega-turn game. The concept of keeping your deck viable with points in it goes out the window. You don't care about it anymore yeah. because the, you're not going to have a phase of the game where you have points in your deck. It's going to be over. It's, it's hard. I don't want to draw victory point cards. No, right. So don't. Yeah, and these cards that these these sources of points that don't make your deck worse don't necessarily become bad per se, but but they become a lot less valuable. Valuable. So like, if we are looking at a game that is all about getting bridge trolls in play and making things, making provinces cost very little, if not zero, and then draining provinces that way, um, you're building that deck, and you can put a groundskeeper in it. Well, you're not going to say no to a free groundskeeper, sure. Who would ever say no to a free groundskeeper? Nobody. But <laughs> you're also probably not going to spend time going for a groundskeeper or, or putting one in the deck when it could have been a bridge troll or a village to help you play a bridge troll. Because the uh, advantage of something like a groundskeeper is that it's a source of points that doesn't make your deck any worse, uh, but that doesn't really matter if the game is uh, more mega-turnish so that uh, you don't really care about points making your deck worse, because they're not going to be in your deck. Right. So, I mean, we're, we're talking about we don't want to have points in our deck because we're ending the game. And, and you know, that, that takes effort to do. We're talking about one of the things you mentioned was a deck that can't handle the green cards, or maybe yeah. is built not to handle the green cards, whether you chose not to do it or because the resources for that weren't available. Let me just, uh, let me just say that... Just because you can build a deck that can't handle green cards doesn't mean you should do that. Because you have to be able to have this mega turn. If right. you can't handle green cards and you can't hand and you can't produce this mega turn, then what you're building is what I'd like to call a bad deck. And yeah. don't do that, okay? You need to be able to have the mega turn in order to justify building a deck that doesn't handle the green cards. That's important. Sure, and another insight you can take from this is that these mega turn decks that are really focused on building up and then exploding in one fell swoop that even if it destroys itself, the deck, even if it just completely shatters yeah. in the process, it, it wins the game. Um, those decks are really inflexible. For the most part. A lot of the... Now, don't get me wrong. We're going to get into some characteristics that make that a little bit grayish. But uh, if you commit to building this Mega Turn deck, a lot of the time you kind of just need to stick with that conviction and go whole hog. Uh, and, and maybe not pivot. Parker is currently <laughs> chewing <laughs> on his giraffe. Yeah. Just, just thought you should know that. Uh, the, the webcam video is... I oh, mean, this is just ridiculous. Yeah. So, uh, so anyway, uh, you you have to you have to build towards this big turn, right? Yeah, and uh, that that can be hard because uh, a lot of types of payload out there uh, that that can scale up to getting this many points or this many provinces uh, involve putting stop cards in your deck. Yeah, like, I'd say like most of them do. Gold yeah. is a stop card. And you're going to need a lot of golds to get that many provinces. Sure. And then you're going to have to draw those golds, and you have to buy the cards to draw the golds, and you have to buy the golds, and, like, man, that takes a long time. And, and even if you yeah. are able to do that, like, you're still, I mean, at a certain point, your deck has more stop cards in it than five, and so your chances of dudding will increase even if you can draw everything. So, like, your deck is still getting less consistent. Right, if and you have so, a bunch of wharves and a bunch of villages in the deck, eventually you're going to draw a hand of 
like all wharves and no villages or whatever what have you yeah i mean uh perhaps perhaps wharf being a duration draw sure. card was not <laughs> so pretend that we said, said uh, i'm not going to edit that out or anything Maybe I will, but um, but anyway, uh, you you have to you have to spend a lot of time doing that. And how much better is that than just dealing with the green cards, right? So so if you do have these resources, you know you still have to. These are factors that would push you away from building towards that because you don't have the payload to justify it. And really, right. I think it comes down to the payload when we're talking about mega turns. Yeah, definitely. And certain kinds of payload mm. are going to push you toward a mega turn more than others. Uh, in particular, whenever you see cost reduction, anything yeah. that says ca- cards cost X amount less, except for Canal, except for Canal, um, <laughs> Canal, we hardly knew you. Yeah. Well, uh, um, yeah. No. Except for <laughs> um, yeah. Too so, soon. yeah. So anything that says uh, cost reduction on it um, should be. At least signaling in your mind, maybe mega turn, especially if you've got some kind of gain attached, like bridge. For sure. Bridge is the bridge and bridge troll are the two uh, huge culprits because they have the cost reduction, and they have plus buy on them. So like immediately, uh, if you can put multiple of those in play, then immediately signals to you might be able to do a mega turn. Uh, sure. Inventor says hi, but yes, I I agree with that point. I'm glad you brought up Inventor. That's something. That's a that's one I want to come back to as well. All right, but we'll yeah. come back to Inventor. But yeah, I think cost reduction is the big one. Yeah. Right? Because cost reduction decks... I mean, I think the the easy comparison to make is let's take bridge. Yeah. Let's say I play three bridges. Just think of the things you can do with three bridges in play. Yeah, Versus sure. the things you can do with five bridges, six bridges, seven bridges. If yes. I play seven bridges, I'm going to win the game. Yeah. I can get all the provinces pretty much from that. Yeah, and that gets us into the things that you're thinking about when you're looking at a mega turn board. So we talked about uh, when you're in this tug-of-war scoring, you think about things like deck viability and stuff like that. Uh, You don't really care about that in a mega turn deck, so what do you care about instead? And I think it's the spuzz. The The spuzz. Speed, splits, and first player. Um, so yeah, no, but uh, the so w- the things that you care about uh, when you're looking at a mega turn uh, type of board with uh, usually it's cost reduction, uh, then you're looking at uh, key splits that you may need to win, assuming you're going to be mirrored, right? So like you yeah. talked about the difference between having uh, five bridges in play versus three. I mean, if there's empty, there's a bit. There's also a huge difference between having six bridges in play and only being able to play four. For sure. So, like, um, in Mirrors, things get weird. Uh, I yeah. think this statement about cost reduction is uh, is something we can say about Mirrors in these types of games, and it's because of that. But that's a product of it being a Mirror. Strategically, when I'm looking at the start of a game, in a two-player game at least, yeah, uh, I'm thinking to myself, what deck do I want to build? <clears throat> and usually I want to do that thinking that I'm uncontested, so I don't sure. have to worry about it, and all I have to do is think, oh, cost reduction, how many bridges can me play in one turn? And then and then just decide to build that deck. In a three-player game, you have to have more skill and things get more complicated. Well, JK, yeah, that's very different. Well, I mean, that's, it's just, that's a different thing, and it's not really the scope of this podcast. Parker's getting upset just with us talking about three-player games, so I apologize, oh, no. little guy. He doesn't like it. He, like ate the wrong part of his pacifier. That couldn't have been comfortable. No. So, so anyway, uh, when, when I'm just talking about uh, strategic things, you know, cost, cost reduction is the big one. Sure. Um, we, can, we can list a few different types of cards that can uh, lead us to a mega turn as well. Um, if I'm going to look for examples, uh, I'm thinking King's Court. 
Uh, sure, yeah, King's Court 2, because of its explosiveness. The King's Court's an interesting one because it's also so good in boards that are not megaturns. That, like, right. yeah, it kind of produces megaturns by virtue of how explosive it is, but it, it's also really good uh, after the fact. Uh, yeah, the other, Parker's excited about King's Court. Yeah, the other kinds of cards that might push you there are things like Tragic Hero and Horn of Plenty, things that do a really good thing one time, and then they're gone. Hmm. Okay, so uh, Horn of Plenty is a is its own special case. Yeah. Uh, why don't we just talk about Horn of Plenty now? Sure. Yeah, I mean, that's totally... So, so Horn of Plenty is, is something that naturally leads itself towards megaturns, and, and I think that's because, well, first of all, it can gain provinces... Yeah. So that's pretty good. But before it gains a province, <laughs> it's still a stop card in your deck. And so um, by deciding to blow it up and change it into a province, you're not really making your deck worse in terms of drawing itself. What you're doing is you're giving up the opportunity to put more components in your deck, usually like deck control components or maybe more Horns of Plenty. Sure. You're giving up that opportunity, meaning, okay, I'm done building, and so now I can green. And at that point... Oh look! Well, golly gee! If I've optimized this, I'm getting five to six provinces, or maybe even more. So it's just something eight. that natural, yeah. or maybe twelve. Okay, that's going to be tough. That's not happening. Well, yeah. I mean, it uh, could, so, but uh, that's going to be really tough. <laughs> yeah, right. So yeah, Horn of Plenty. You know, just because of the nature of the card, it leads itself to mega turns, and so if you have the draw to support that, sure, go for it. That's going to be really good for you. Megaturn. Hashtag Megaturn. We did it. Yeah, the big thing about Horn of Plenty, too, is that it's non-terminal, so, like, a lot of the time it's going to push itself to towards Megaturns because all you have to do is be able to draw it. You don't have to be able to draw it and then have actions to play it. But yeah, it's just one less enabler that it needs. Yeah, so the uh, thing that I want to come back to is the speed and splits. So, oh, yeah, the spuzz. The spuzz. Um, and sp- first player was kind of a joke, but uh, <laughs> this is assumes in, in a mirror and all else being equal, yeah, the Megaturns uh, kind of reward you for having gone first just because you, know, uh, you get I to suppose. fire a little faster. I suppose. I mean, But the serious points, the okay. speed and the splits. Yeah, yeah. sure. So uh, we talked a little bit about splits. Uh, so speed? Yeah, what do you so, mean by that? So speed is just uh, these thing, this concept of uh, needing to fire as quickly as you can. These mega turns, they obviously take some time to set up. I mean, if a mega turn is good on that board, it's because you could set it up in time to win the game with it, but, and especially in a mirror, because in a mirror you're racing to be able to do it first, because one of you is going to fire and get uh, all of the viable VP out of the supply uh, before the other one can really do that to catch up. So you see things, like I came back to the groundskeeper bridge troll thing. Again, you're not going to say no to a free groundskeeper in a bridge troll game, but the question becomes, do you have time? Well, um... If to I'm get a aiming to build a deck that tries to get provinces, and the provinces are gone by the time I'm ready to get provinces, then I'm going to be pretty sad, because sure. now I have to settle for all these duchies when maybe I could have had provinces instead, because everything costs zero, or costs close enough to zero. Yeah. I can do that. And you'll notice that one of the terms that I keep using with your win condition in a mega turn deck is viable VP, because certain kinds of payload really want to be gaining provinces or higher, but do not like gaining duchies. Like, the Horn of Plenty, if you have to pop your Horn of Plenty to gain a duchy, you're in really bad shape. You're shedding at least one manly tier when you do that. Yeah. At least. For sure. So Probably much more. So, per duchy. Yeah, definitely. So your win condition on a mega turn board, if you're mirrored a lot of the time, is not get all eight provinces, it's get five. Because, you know, once you do that, your opponent has this 
a situation where they're uh, in a tough spot because they're they built this deck that's really good at getting provinces and now they have to and hosting provinces and now they have to do something else yeah that's no fun man i want provinces yeah and i think that it's worth making at least one other point on the splits thing um so when we're talking about the splits that matter in a mega turn board it's not necessarily the payload right like if we're talking about a bridge troll mega turn um, it's not like it's not necessarily the bridge trolls or the bridges that you care about the split with. It's whatever is going to help you play more of them. So, like if we're talking about a kingdom that has bridge and throne room, or something like that, um, the bridge split is not so important as the thing that is helping you play the bridges. So, like maybe it's lost cities or labs or whatever, and that's the important uh-huh. split. But Identify which one it is and, and go for that, but understand it's not always the payload. Uh, okay, that's that's good. Uh, with throne room, uh, throne room's flexible enough you can use it as deck control or payload, sure. or whatever you're short on. But in the absence of a flexible card, you know you you have to figure out. Oh well, if I have one stack of villages and my bridges are terminal and I only mm-hmm. have smithy for draw, well, hey, guess what? Village is the critical point here, right? Yeah. Or, like, but sometimes it is the payload. Like, highway mega turns, usually it's the highway split that matters. But then, like, if you're looking at Royal Carriage Bridge, it's definitely the Royal Carriage split that matters. You get. That's the village, yeah. You get a bridge, and then you get. And then you (laughs) care about the Royal Carriage split from there. For sure, yeah. Yeah. Uh, So, um, in terms of this, uh, these mega turns that aim for provinces, uh, I guess uh, there are a couple more examples. Like, uh, I think Governor. Was something that does that? Yeah. Produces turns of, you know, many provinces. It can, and that's really the interesting part of Governor, is that one of the big points I think we need to make about uh, these mega turns is versus this tug-of-war scoring we mentioned earlier, is it's not black and white. And Governor is a card that is necessarily gray. These, like we talked about. The, I was thinking like racial equality, and it's like it doesn't matter the color of your skin; it matters. And then governor's like gray, and I'm thinking he's old. Anyway, continue. <laughs> yeah, he's translucent. Yeah. So, uh, governor is a really interesting card, and and all of these are to a degree. Governor is just the best example because you uh, want to refer back to our governor episode in this because we go into much more detail. Yeah. But governor can produce these mega turn turns where you are gaining four plus provinces but a lot of the time it's also pushing you toward this tug of war scoring and all of them are to a degree we looked at that bridge troll uh situation earlier and you if you're not being mirrored you might just have the luxury of of building up these bridge trolls until you can get all of the available remaining provinces but if your opponent is mirroring you at the same time you might fire early quote unquote and just get Settle for some two or three provinces turns so that you don't lose to that five province win condition later on. Yeah, the the mini mega turn, yeah. as it were. Like if you if your deck can handle a little bit of green but can't buy it all at once. Uh, yeah, I guess you could still build that deck, but then have that kind of payload instead if that's going to serve you better. I think Horn of Plenty is a good example of that. It's and, a really weird one for sure. Because if, you, if you've got like some kind of like a warehouse on the board, yeah, I, I can only get so many cards in my hand, but it doesn't. I can get whichever stop cards I want, so I could just you know convert half of my horns this turn and then the other half next turn, and maybe that's fine. 
Yeah, so, like, that's also assuming that you can actually close the game out that way. Like, I have made mistakes on a Horn of Plenty board where I oh, got... I'm getting six provinces! GG! Yeah, or, like, <laughs> I got five or six provinces, but then, like, my deck didn't do anything from there, and I couldn't make good on the threat to end the game, because horns were my only payload, and now they're gone. Rip and Rooney. then my opponent was able to get the last two plus all the duchies they needed, so, like, these are some more practical considerations uh, for your mega turn and even in like tug of war scoring you might see have this situation where you've been going province for province uh, up until now but now there's only two left and you have this decision i can like get the second to last one or third to last one or whatever or i can just put more payload in the deck and maybe threaten a double province later i don't think moaning people would call that a mega turn but it's more mega turn e than anything the game had seen thus far. So, well, I mean, it was—it's all a spectrum, right? Yeah. I mean, you you pointed out the extreme example of like big money with one province maybe every turn or some turn, and then like the other extreme end of the spectrum, which Parker's clearly excited about, where you gain all of the provinces in one turn. Rawr! Exactly. And then like, so you know, you're you're just pushing yourself towards the building more end of that spectrum. I mean, this this spectrum is, uh, I mean, it's a Dominion spectrum, really everything in in dominion is a spectrum when you think about it really hard or life actually even. yeah everything in life is actually a spectrum now yeah. that i think about it degrees it this depends. podcast uh you the listener you're a spectrum if you're driving the the angle that you have the steering wheel that's a spectrum it's a spectrum yeah please please be people, mindful of that spectrum and people have been telling sure me that i'm on a spectrum my entire life <laughs> and so the uh the idea here <laughs> Oh, you so, got me. That's good. That um, was really good. <laughs> yeah, so, the, but the point of this, that what we want you to take away certainly isn't that you're going to take these games of Dominion and put them into little filing cabinets when you get home. Put them into, like, little, uh, this was a mega turn and this was tug-of-war scoring. The point is that you are not playing a mega turn because of the board. You are not playing tug-of-war because of the board. You are playing your game of Dominion, and you need to be reacting to what the opponent is doing. Against a bot, pure mega turns are going to happen pretty often. Pure tug-of-war is going to happen pretty often. But against a human opponent who is building their own deck and maybe mirroring you or maybe or, not... Or maybe reacting to what you're doing and is yes. smart... You need to be a little more tactical and reactive and understand that these kinds of uh, mega turn versus tug of war scoring, this is, uh, there's a gradient and you can be uh, following along in any way that you want. Just think about what's viable for you right now. Yeah, so like there's a point on the gradient that we kind of arbitrarily said like, oh, well, you're going to, I mean, I tried to quantify it, which wasn't the point, but hey, I mean, we were going to get that question. I did it anyway. Right. So like there's a point on there that's like, oh, more than three provinces or whatever. I'm going to build more than what I can now. Right. And and what are the things we've talked about? Some of the things that can push you towards I want to build more versus yeah. I want to build less. Um, we've talked about things that aim for provinces and, and put you away from that tug of war scoring paradigm. Uh, but where you know, there's the other side of this coin of like, oh, there's mega turns in terms of turns where you accomplish a lot of things. Yes, and, and you have to build more to have these turns where you accomplish a lot of things. Yeah, I think one key difference is when we're talking about uh, what we're calling a mega turn or what it does for you is whether or not that. <laughs> <laughs> Whether or not that mega turn uh, relies on taking points out of the supply. Um, now, why is that important? Well, if I have a mega turn that's gaining five to six provinces, uh, that was 
almost undoubtedly mega turn. My opponent can't respond by doing the they, same they thing. They can't get five to six provinces after you do that, yeah. They're, those are gone. They're not there. Whereas um, there are other kinds of things that you might call a mega turn. Like if yeah. I buy five conquests or whatever. <laughs> I got a billion points, or, you know, I had, like, six goons in play, and I bought yeah. six coppers, because that was the best card I could buy, and whatever, <laughs> and I got, I just got, well, like... You got, like, 40 points. Yeah, I got yeah. a bazillion points in my, the the key, or a, or a giant triumph, or something like that. Yeah. The, the difference there is that the opponent can respond, theoretically, by doing the same thing, right? That's... That's kind of a mega turn, but like if the opponent is then able to theoretically replicate it and come back with that, then you don't it, auto win and you have to play more. Yeah, and it wasn't a mega turn at that point because they did the same thing and it turns into tug of war scoring because you're tugging back just you're making really big tugs. Oh, okay. So like in terms of defining mega turn as being like I did the biggest thing in this game and you can't do it, nanner nanner boo boo, stick your head in doo doo, washed right. out with bubble gum and sticking it again, uh, then then yes, that's that's not a mega turn if you're gonna play goons or a merchant guild or or a groundskeeper or something along those lines. Right. So, from a tactical standpoint, you know, that, that wasn't a mega turn. However, when I'm looking at the kingdom before the game starts and I see these cards, yeah. I still want to build towards doing that amazing thing. Yeah, so, the, exactly. If I have this turn where I play four bishops to trash four golds or fortresses or whatever, I got a bunch of points, and now, to respond to that, you uh, may be able to do exactly the same thing, we'll go back and forth, but I did make you do that. Yeah. And if you if you hadn't been able to if do you that... you didn't want to do just, that, well, sucks to be you, man. Well, <laughs> you're right. doing it anyway. Yeah, or you're just losing, is, is, or what, you I'm, can lose. is what I'm hoping yeah. happens. Is that, <laughs> so, like, that's the thing, is that, like, it, it can be a mega turn in that uh, you were able to accomplish that, and now they have to respond in kind, but can they? Were they mirroring you to the point that they... Did they build that deck, too, or were they going for something else? Or were they just doing everything you did two turns later and just hoping that you were smart enough to have it come together? <laughs> and then, oh, look, what I can do, but I only have three fortresses and you have seven of them. Right. That, and, well, not that that's ever happened hey, to you before. Speed and splits. Hey, well, but, um... <laughs> hey look at that. It, the spuzz came back for yeah. us. So uh, these, I mean, these are these are things you can think about before the game even starts. And if I'm going to look for a couple more cards that can push me towards that direction, I would say um, Conspirator is something. I mean, maybe you're yeah. not going to get to this same magnitude, but uh, the fact that it's cheap and gives you deck control and payload, it, that means you can just shove a bunch of these in the deck and easily yeah. build to. Oh, well, I'll get one more province in a turn because. Uh, maybe at the end of that, I'll be in the same spot and have more conspirators in my deck or something like that. So sure. conspirator helps you do that. Or uh, I guess the other big example on my mind was Corey. Yeah. Because that makes it real easy to buy more action cards, which can help you, you know, do bigger turns in the future. Yeah. But it's not really good at buying VP, so you're going to find yourself more often in the situation where, oh, well, I'm just going to get a whole bunch of stuff, so of course I'm going to build more because it's very easy to do that. Yeah, uh, other cards that might push you toward a mega turn are, again, cards that have this really explosive effect, uh, but then they can't do it anymore. So, counterfeit is interesting to talk about, because the usual function of counterfeit is to trash cards you don't want, right? But, counterfeit has this other thing it does that is kind of more like payload, where you can be doing things like counterfeiting golds, or platinums, or... Uh, 
maybe you're counterfeiting spoils, or mm. if you're really feeling... The, the I'm sax, feeling frisky. The sax music, yeah. Oh, yeah? You could uh, maybe be counterfeiting capitalists. Oh, yeah. Oh, mm. oh yeah. I a cigarette. But, like, the thing is that, <laughs> Candy like, cigarette. Smoking is gross. Anyway, continue. But the, the, <laughs> the point is there that once you've done that, uh, it's it's been done. That payload is, has left your deck. Uh, Rip so, that payload. And so that's kind of... I think when we were talking to Wondering Winter about this, he said, well, what's a megaturn? It's something that I do once and then I can't repeat. And that's kind of a good definition. Like that's just as good as any of the other five that sure. we said. I uh, yeah. Another thing that kind of pushes you there is I think Tragic Hero, especially Tragic Hero with like a throne room variant, like King's Court or something, yeah, okay. where you're getting to play the Tragic Hero to draw your deck and then gain treasures, which you then draw off subsequent Tragic Hero plays. And that's great because you have this giant turn with a bunch of money, bunch of buys, but th- then the Tragic Hero has left your deck tragically. Tragically, yes. Yeah. A moment of silence for poor Harambe. So yeah, those we are some cards. Uh, uh, you can like save up your royal carriages. Or, Hermit Madman. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah, that combo deck. That's yeah. uh, that could be described as a mega turn. It was real big. We did it, guys. We yeah. played a bunch of golds and had a big, big turn. We did it, or like blowing up all your mining villages on the last turn of the game. Sure. I mean, that's that's another thing that's kind of a mega turn, but like. I mean, I gonna, am I going to think about this before the game starts? Probably not. It's going to yeah. be, I'm going to be putting these cards in my deck because they're good, and then if the game situation turns into something where that's good for me, then maybe that's what I'll be doing with my life. Definitely. Now, one thing I wanted to come back to, you mentioned Inventor. Inventor yeah. is really interesting. Inventoroni. It's, it's got cost reduction, and it's got a gain on it, it's like so Bridge. Good. But the gain can't be used after the cost reduction of subsequent plays. Ripperoo. Which is really weird. So it's like yeah. a workshop variant that has cost reduction on it. So can it be used? Is it a mega turn card? Sure. The answer, it certainly I've can. I've done it. Yeah, I have too. It was so good. But it's harder, and but it's better for other things, I think. Like it being it's, a workshop is, is really powerful. Yeah. I think it's like better than Bridge at doing regular payload things, and way worse at Bridge than Bridge at doing the Mega Turn thing. Yeah, like, you just have to look in and see what do I get for playing three Inventors versus what do I get for playing five Inventors. And it's a huge difference. Versus versus seven or nine. Like, where are those cutoff points? Where am I getting yeah. the most value? And, and how far along that do I go versus uh, maybe I just do something else? And I'm just going to tell you from experience here, um, in on boards where... You might be uttering the phrase inventor megaturn. The inventor split is a gigantic deal. Like, getting six inventors is usually GG, unless there's some other form of explosive payload. Because there's a, like Adam just mentioned, there is a huge difference between having four inventors and having six of them. Oh, yeah. In terms of, well, just think about the cards you're gaining. Province? Yeah. Those are really good for winning. Yeah. The upper doodles. Tips. So, uh, did you have anything else uh, before we move on? Uh, no. Uh, if we want to just review the key takeaways here, it's uh, we talked about uh, mega turn scoring and gradual scoring, the extremes of them and what they look like. Those two things have different characteristics and have different priorities for you. 
uh, in terms of how you're building your deck and which cards you want to focus on, splits, deck viability, stuff like that. Uh, which game that you, which kind of scoring you tend find yourself focusing on, uh, is not tied to the kingdom. It's tied to the game, and you're reacting to it. Just like everything in Dominion, really. Exactly. Just like everything in Dominion. Make sure you're thinking about it mid-game, not just at the beginning. Hmm. Uh, And beware. to that end, be aware of what your role in the game is and what kind of endgame you want to be playing to. And also make sure you're drinking enough water. Most people don't do that. Yeah, and remember, Dasani is the superior water. Oh, there was one more thing about Megaturns. One more reason you would want to go for a Megaturn that I forgot to mention. What is that? Because it's really cool! Yeah, they're fun. Yeah, for sure. I mean, all the cool stories of Megaturns... you have to, or of Dominion things you have to tell, they're all of Mega Turns, right? Yeah, for the most part. There have been two times in my life, Jake, where I have completed my action phase and said, okay, this stack of provinces, I'm going to pick it up and they're all mine. I don't yet know how many are in the stack, <laughs> but I know that they're all mine. And then counting right. them to see how many duchies I can get along with it, right? Sure. Two times that's happened, and I gotta tell you... It felt so good, Jay. <laughs> this is true. That feeling of just physically picking up that pile. Yeah, that that is a legitimate point because, like, if you are one of those people who is just looking to design a really fun kingdom for you and your friends to play, if you're a Johnny. Then just just throw a Mega Turn deck to board together. If you're one of those people, like if you're trying to show your friends what Dominion can be, uh, and they're they're not really sold on it yet, uh. Shove them at a mega turn board and, and show them what's possible, mm. and then uh, that'll hopefully get their gears turning. It'll get the juices flowing. The the juices gearing. Yep, the yep. gears flowing. The gears juicing. The, the juices. Parker so juiced. Okay. <laughs> so, so yeah, uh, we yeah. have a kingdom. That, yeah, uh, has has some cards in it, and uh, maybe we'll talk about it since. Everything in Dominion, you know, should be considered with the context of a kingdom and everything. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so, so what are the cards in this one? I'll read them to you. That'd be good. Moat, Native Village, Bridge, Bureaucrat, Ironworks, Mountain Village, Crown, Crypt, Haunted Woods, Expand, and we have Dominate and Fountain. Once more, for our audio-only listeners, Moat, Native Village, Bridge, Bureaucrat, Ironworks, Mountain Village, Crown, Crypt, Haunted Woods, Expand, and we have Dominate and Fountain. This is really interesting. You've got some... Crunchy, man. You've got some weird decisions to make here, and I I do want to say that the presence of Bridge and Dominate in the same kingdom immediately is making me scratch my head, because those are both things you because almost you always... Lice. Or, no, yeah. Right, yeah. and Lice, and also... Um, <laughs> these are things you both almost always go for, but they're really bad at helping each other like get to get to yeah, it. They like, don't they don't play nice together, do they? Yeah, the bridge is a copper if you're trying to dominate, right? Um, if if your goal is <laughs> a, to just a bridge if, is a bridge, but it doesn't reduce the cost of dominate. <laughs> yeah, no, like for for the effect of getting a dominate, the bridge is not more helpful than a copper. It's so like, it's like an abandoned mine. In fact, yeah, it's a terminal copper if you're trying to dominate. Of course, that's not the case because it's a bridge. <laughs> but I uh, but. <laughs> But it's weird. So, like, are you going to dominate in this game? I don't know, man. It kind of depends know. on what my opponent does. But I can tell you about the deck that I want to build. Okay, and it's going to be able to do a lot of cool stuff. Because look at all the things you can do by playing a lot of bridges. Yeah, right. So, uh, like, that's not the only thing bridge can do. There's also ironworks it combos with. And native village. 
Remember the the old school Native Village yeah. Bridge deck? Did you, did you ever played any Native Village I, Bridge games? I have played Native Village Bridge, and it is a deck that works. It's not. Yeah. It's underwhelming though. Yeah. Like that deck is 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 weird to pilot, and it's really stressful because it's so inflexible. Yeah, uh, and sometimes you can get kind of boned. Yeah, definitely. Which so unforge. Man, so like you try to answer the question, what splits are important here? There's two stacks of villages, so you're not going to get villaged out. Oh, there's also crown, which is probably the best village here. Three I want to say. Villages. Yeah. So you uh, you've got these three stacks of villages, so that split's not going to be huge. The bridge split, I want to say, is going to be big. But if you do lose the bridge split to the point that you can't province uh, excessively with it, you could always start building toward dominate instead. Sure, uh, the draw resources on this board are pretty decent. I mean, Haunted Woods by itself, with nothing else, is a card that makes me want to build more. Yeah, right. So, uh, oh, I mean, Haunted God. Woods is a big deal. That attack hurts, too, here. But there's Moat! <laughs> oh, man, maybe you could Native Village... Th that's not gonna... Native Village the green cards, that doesn't work. Anyway. Yeah, uh, so, yeah, Haunted Woods is, uh... I mean, well, it's the strongest source of draw here. Yeah. Um, what I'm, what I'm really looking at is, uh, since I want to build a lot, I'm looking at thinning, obviously, and, uh, I have Expand as the only way to trash cards, but there's Crypt, and then there's Fountain, which can theoretically incentivize me for, uh, keeping the coppers around and crypting them. And I have strong yeah. enough draw with Haunted Woods that maybe I'll be able to set something like that up. So I am tempted by that. Well, the other thing about Crypt is that there's you're going to want crowns in the deck, too. So like you can Crypt your crowns as well. Uh, you can. I imagine that I would probably Crypt, like, a crown. Yeah, I mean... I'm... Because then I can just draw it next turn, right? But I don't necessarily think I want to have those crowns out of my deck. Um... Actually, there might be a little rule snafu, so what if I crown a Haunted Woods, and then in my Night Face I play a Crypt and put the crown back? So that's a way to get the crown back in my deck. I think I still double the draw from Haunted Woods, but now there's a tracking issue. So somebody, uh, we'll look into the rules clarification for somebody that. Somebody clarify that for us. <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll look it up, and, and I'm yeah. pretty sure that's how it works. You still get the doubled Haunted Woods, you just have to remember that you get it, and then you can crown a Haunted Woods and then put the crown back in your deck. That's sure. The yeah. So maybe I would consider doing that. I might run like one or two crypts in the deck. I probably, I think I get an expand because it's the only way to get rid of the states and like the fibers are great. Yeah. I mean, the but other thing tough. is if you decide you don't care about the fountain points, uh, the only way to thin the coppers, quote unquote, thin the coppers is to expand them into something like mountain village. Or if you've got a lot of terminal space moat. Yeah, you can, uh, so, you can play a bridge and then play yeah. or expand and uh, yeah. expand your coppers into something that is not a stop card. Yeah, so uh, what are your... So I'm not exactly sure what kind of deck you end up building here. Like you said, it's going to depend a lot on the opponent. I want to say that at first I'm going to try to act as if I'm trying to build this bridge mega turn deck and see how my opponent reacts to that. If I get to the point where I have enough bridges that I could crown them into a mega turn, I'm probably going to say I don't care about dominate and uh, try to win the game by crowning bridges and emptying all of them 
in succession. I think this is a game where before playing the game and before getting into a situation, I can't tell you if I'm going to have that type of mega sure. turn you were describing. Now, yeah, because there are a lot of points you can get from other places. It really depends on how I can end the game. Exactly. Right? If, if my opponent contests the bridges and crowns, it might be good to pivot away from that strategy and start focusing instead on draw and payload to the point that maybe I could dominate, or maybe I am expanding uh, fibers into provinces? I don't know. I mean, you want to focus down provinces if you're threatened by a big turn, or you want to try and outscore it. And there are options for doing both of those, and which one is viable depends a lot on things that I couldn't tell you because uh, we're not playing a game of that at this very moment. Yeah, what do you right. think you would open with here? That's what I was about to ask you. What are your early priorities here? So on a 4-3, I think I'm getting bridge silver. Because okay. I want to uh, I want to hit 5, and I kind of want to hit 7. So my first 5, uh, I guess I would aim for a Haunted Woods. And hope to spike a 7 for an expand with that. And then start thinning my estates. Get Haunted Woods online, spam villages, pick up an Ironworks later. That kind of thing. I'm probably going for... Ironworks silver. I want to get an ironworks silver because the if I can get to the situation where I have a bridge and an ironworks in play and I can start ironworks and crowns, I'm in real good shape. Uh, but I mean, I want that. Yeah, but I, want I don't that think too. that's a compelling reason to open with the ironworks. Well, I want. I the, think that's a compelling also, reason to get the ironworks soon. I want the ironworks in the deck is the other thing. I want the ironworks because I want to be getting all these deck components. Right. So, um, like, I have the same school of thought. Only I'm like. I want the bridge in the deck eventually, and the bridge yeah, is going right. to help me more immediately, so I'm going to get that first. Is it? Is it I think I it might. I don't think either opening is crazy. I think it's close, but I think I prefer the bridge. Yeah. I am, I'm prepared to be wrong about that. So what we're really arguing about here is what's better early. Yeah. Is getting multiple fours or better early, or is spiking up to five slash seven, uh, yeah. seven if it's possible, Five in order to spike seven more. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, and both of those are pretty good. I mean, hmm, with no thinning, you might be right that the fives are going to be more impactful than having a bunch of villages. And, uh... So, like, the the school of thought is uh, I'm, I'm either prioritizing the thinning aspect yeah. because I need to draw cards to effectively thin here, sure. so I'm prioritizing draw in order to effectively thin. And you're prioritizing gaining, which is another thing you care about in the early game. Yeah. So uh, the quality of each of those, the whole prioritizing draw to get thinning, is super jank, and maybe I don't want to invest in that right away. Yeah. So I I don't think either is crazy. I prefer the bridge. Could be wrong. What do you think of opening with a native village instead of the silver? Okay, so native village instead of the silver is definitely telegraphing that you are going for something very specific, I think. Uh-huh. I think if you do that, you're, you're saying, I'm going native village bridge, try and stop me. And So you're saying that's only good for a native village bridge deck? I don't know why you'd open with a native village other than that. I think it's not good. I just want to hear your take on it. I don't and think I would do it. Um, I don't think I want to open with a native village. On a 5-2, I guess I would put the native village in the deck. I would be very sad because I think I'm opening with a Haunted Woods in that case. And that doesn't play nice with the native village, but I guess I'm still going to do it. Haunted Woods is orange. On a 5-2... Crown and Crypt are just bad to open with. Uh, on a 5-2, I might take Crypt Moat. You would open with a Crypt? Possibly. I, I'd think about it. So, like, the, the Crypt is doing decent things for me close to the beginning of the game because I'm very reliably lining it up with multiple treasures and then having this... Once I do draw the Crypt, I... 
So the reason uh, I don't like Crypt, this not to say you're wrong, but the reason I don't like it is because it makes you zero dollars, and it's not. It's very unlikely to help your turn three and turn four. Yeah, it's, it's more likely true. to do more damage to those turns than it is to help it. Yeah. Haunted Woods has the same issue, which is why I'm not enthused about opening with it. Yeah, but uh, at least it's a card I want in my deck before I want the Crypt, because yeah. like in my ideal build. I'm drawing a lot with Haunted Woods, and then I put the Crypt in, and then I'm able to line things up. On a 5-2, you might just say I'm sad and go Ironworks Native Village or Bridge Native Village. Uh, On a 5-2, maybe the Bridge Native Village is a little more reasonable. Definitely agree with the sadness. Um, I mean, I don't wow, think you take do? A, You could take a crown. Um, That's so bad. It's bad, it's but so like bad. the crown is a card you really want in the deck eventually. Yeah, but you like, definitely it doesn't do. You're opening crap throne you. room yeah. and you're opening copper. Like, oh, it's so it feels so bad. Yeah, yeah, so, I'm, I'm very sad in that case. I think we can both agree I'm that five two is bad. I'm yeah. not sure. I'm not sure if it's best. Oh man, the haunted woods is probably fine. I mean, it's it's more likely to help you get an expand early for sure. Um, so I think we can both agree that native village hard count is bureaucrat. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty ill. Yeah. Okay, so on a serious <laughs> note, uh, do you care about the fountain points? It's 15 points, man. I'm not going to bother thinning the coppers when I can just, like, shove three of them in the deck at some point and get 15 points. I, I care about know. them. I'm not going to get them every game. I care about them every game. So, yeah, no, obviously you don't ignore that they're there, but, like, do you... I guess you answered my question. Um, yeah. Do you do you play around them to the point that like are you really Absolutely. not going to thin copper? That goes into every end game calculation I make. How many coppers does my opponent need? Do they have the extra gains to do it? Okay. And that enters into the calculations of can my opponent win the game on their next turn, or can I win the opponent, or can I win the opponent? Can I win the game? Yeah. Doing this. Okay, yeah. so you get one dominate and you make up for the fountain points. So if you thin the coppers and it helps you get a dominate, you wouldn't have gotten. I'm, I'm not saying that that's the case, but if it is, then it's worth uh, thinning the coppers. If I, you, if it helps uh, you, whereas if you're not getting a dominate, then the how many provinces do you need to get that you wouldn't have gotten? I, it's I three. Don't, I don't think the comparison is that simple. Well, no, it's not. Because I'm just the, thinking the amount about of work it takes to thin coppers is different than the amount of work it takes to add three coppers and that, get the fountain points, right? Very true. I'm just, I'm just trying to think of, like, what do you what do you need to justify ignoring the fountain points? And if you're going for a dominate, you just need to be able to hit it once because you thinned coppers. If you are not and dominating... No, no. no. I, I think you need to be able to do that more than once. Because sure. the fountain deck well, can do things besides gain three coppers with yeah. all that work you did, right? Th that's true, but you're also like gaining cards off the thinning, um, right? So, but like if you're not dominating, you need to basically get three more provinces because you thinned those coppers, which is not crazy, but it's hard. Yeah. So anyway, this is interesting uh, talk. Let us know what you think uh, in the comments about uh, yeah. how much you play around the fountain points. Uh, or, or all of what we talked about with this kingdom. Yeah. Do or you, anything. Yeah, would you get a crypt here? Um, I'm I not think, I think it has a place in the deck. I th yeah, probably in the middle of the game. I, I think it definitely has a place in the deck. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, if you're watching this on YouTube, you can leave a comment in the comment section. We'll be happy to see that. We see those, we respond to those. Uh, if you are on YouTube or you're listening to this through some other medium, uh, you can head on over to adamhorton.com. There are links there to a forum, a Discord uh, server, 
that you can hop on or all of our contact information. Yeah. Get in touch with us. Let us know what you think about the kingdom, the podcast, anything, what you want to hear next, uh, anything that, that we've mentioned, if you think we got something wrong, or if you just think we're great and you want to tell us about it, or if you're going to go to the Dominion Tournament that I am holding on January 12th, 2019 at 1 p.m. near Cincinnati, Ohio. Uh, if you're coming, I would love to know about it. If you're traveling in, uh, let me know so that if you're running late, if it snows a little bit where you're coming from, or if you get stuck in traffic or pulled over for speeding, which has happened, I am able to accommodate you if you're not going to be that late. I don't want you to drive that far and then not be able to play all of your games. I want you to have fun. I want you to come to the tournament. I hope you'll have a good time. I've put in a lot of work, design kingdoms, etc. You should totally do it. I think that's all the shameless plugs I have. Yeah, I can back it up. Adam's yeah. tournaments are fine. You should come. Yep. Uh, Parker is... Uh, can you can you grab the webcam and put it on Parker's face here? Uh, the face he's making, he is entering into milk coma. Wait, how do that's, I... That's the burp cloth. How am I... Uh... Uh, so you, you point it that's at Parker. You can yeah, there use we the go. Pre- there we go. Yeah, look at that. That's a, that's a face. Uh, anyway, thanks. Thank. Oh, thanks for listening <laughs> to making one uh, to making the podcast. Okay. Four. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs>